Yeah, yeah you look pretty. Look pretty. <laughs> That's true. Say it again. <laughs> Say it again. Yeah. One time for the people <laughs> in the back. We have that. On, we have that on record. Yes. Yes. So is it starting? Yeah. It is going. starting. Hello. Welcome to Welcome. Creation Philosophy. Thanks for joining us, and we'd like to welcome our guest, Ben Wada. Yes. Thank you, Ben. I'm Pocholo Cruz. I'm Scott McDonald for another one. Scotty Mizak. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Philosophizing on the art of pancreation and the martial arts journey. Yeah. You know? Speaking of which, Ben, how did you get started on your martial arts journey? Ooh, I love that question. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I think we dated back to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay. Ooh, it's probably okay. the beginning for me. Nice. You know, they put that in my brain. The, the martial master arts. Splinter. Yeah, master Splinter. Got me. Okay. But, you know, I was a punk kid. Got in some street fights. Thought I was tough. Mm-hmm. One of my friends was like, hey, there's a gym over here. I just like how helpful your friend was like, hey, hey you're man. just beating up some other little kid who comes <laughs> out from the bushes. He's like, hey, there's a gym over here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like in a video game. We're like, man, how do I get to the next level? Hey, man, there's a gym right there. Exactly. <laughs> how, so how old are you? Uh, 19? Okay. 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 So this friend tells you about this gym and what's the name of the gym? Alderwood Mixed Martial Arts. Okay. So you're the fine tutelage of Eric Wiseman. Okay. Okay. And so you you get started there. And what about, so how, how was that? So, cause you know, you're there, you're thinking, so what were your, what were you thinking like coming in? And then what was like the realization? Yeah. As we, so it was pretty epic, right? So I walk in the front door. Yeah. Vern Beach is sitting there. Okay. Um, I don't know if you guys know who Vern is. He's pretty epic, dude. I've met Vern once. He's a big deal. Yeah. But he's he's real funny too. And so I come in and he's like, He's like, so what, what do you want? And I'm like, I want to be a fighter. I'm going to fight. Give me a fight. <laughs> day you one. Just day day one. Day just one. Like, you give me a fight. He's like, who is this? <laughs> of course, he signs me up, and uh, I get beat up by some girls real bad. Oh wow, damn. Eric's like, hey, you know, you know that roll? I'm like, I don't even know what that. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. What I have no idea. What you know. yes. what that means. I have no idea what you're saying. You want me? And so, you know. Reagan Benedetti choked me senseless like four or five times in a row. Okay. So, that was fun. I want to ask this question. So, at that point, I feel like there's turning points for people. Is like, it would be sparring or rolling. Like they just get turned off to it. I feel like you know, I'm not that I've seen like mass exodus from people when they join the gym. But I think you had a choice at that moment when you're getting fucked up, Um, and so you decided to stick with it. And why? Man, I, I fell in love with it right away. It was just uh, something so pure about it, you know? Mm. Um, I mean, it really is an art form. Yeah. And it's like full body, mental, chess match, like all this into one, you know? Mm-hmm. And the gym was awesome at that time. You know, yeah. Charlie was still over there. Mm. It was a lot of fighters, and it was just like this the aura when you walk in there mm-hmm. and then to train with all these I mean I trained with a lot of the girls because that's how big I was you know mm-hmm. and uh they were nasty there were some nasty ones and like 
it was just really fun and I really yeah. enjoyed it. And it was eye opening for me in a lot of ways. It was just like, if this girl can choke me out. Can you imagine what I can do? They teach me how to do and I, I want to stay on track with your development and just like your amateur career and everything. But I have to ask this because I don't want to forget it. Um, <clears throat> I've noticed with you when we watch fights together, you have like, a, I feel like a very profound respect for female MMA fighters. Like you, it's just like this. And I think that probably has to do with your first experience is like mm -hmm. that had to have been powerful. Like, because yeah. you just respect women's MMA in a whole different way than I've seen anyone else really respected. Does that have something to do with it? Or I mean, probably. Yeah. I never even really thought about that, mm -hmm. you know? Like, for me, I don't know, I was raised by my mom, you know? Yeah. More than anybody else. And yeah. So I have an affinity to women, I suppose. Yeah. No, I just, I think that's unique. So you go in there, you ask for a fight, you obviously don't Day get one. it. You obviously don't get a fight. You get rolled up, yeah. and then what, what kind of happens from there with Alderwood? Like, explain your career. Yeah, yeah so like, when did you start, like, competing? I think it was like six months in, okay, I had six. my first fight, and uh, Vern got me the fight. <laughs> and I remember Eric being like, why would you let him fight? <laughs> kid that I fought was like filthy like I don't remember what his name is but the dude like Wait, was it MMA me. or was it it was an MMA, it was fight. An MMA fight six mm -hmm. months in wow but the dude okay. was yeah. nasty like his stand-up was nasty I remember I mean I didn't know anything I was like yeah I'll fight him <laughs> I'm tough as shit I'll knock his ass out yeah but the dude came out my like was just kicking me in the face and just like peppering me but I was you know I the guys I was sparring with were twice my size so anything yeah. he hit me with was like I couldn't even feel it mm -hmm. I felt nothing that he hit me with he kicked me in the face and it was just like man Alden Lee fucking whops me bro I get whopped by 185ers all day mm -hmm. like I'm not even feeling it but I mean brain damage is real either way so but did you win? Did you win? Yeah. That one? Oh yeah. I well, mean, I remember like it's so vividly. Even today, it was crazy. Like, so he's hitting me, and then at one point, I just I grabbed him by the face, and I just whomped him so hard with my just, right hand. Like, yeah. I remember yeah. watching like in slow motion the spit fly out of his mouth, and then I like hit him a couple more times, and he shot in, and I choked him out. What'd you choke him out with? Guillotine. Of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> he choked everybody with the guillotine. <laughs> Okay. So then what, <clears throat> so then after that, what's kind of like, what starts to happen? You win your first MMA fight, well, what begins? First, yeah, first of all, how do you feel? Yeah. Man, there's nothing like winning a fight. Like, I mean, after day one, I was in there all day, every mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. Like the second they open, I'm there. Yeah. To the second they close. And, uh, you know, I'm just... All of that, that culmination of training and just hours and hours and hours in the gym, like even in six months, like you can imagine how much gym time and how much mat time I got in. Mm -hmm. And it's just the culmination of that, and then to get your hand raised in front of all those people, and like there's mm -hmm. no high like that. You yeah. Know? And then you're always chasing that. And I have an addictive personality, so you know, for me. Well, of course, I think. nothing better than that. You probably realized you were good at it. Well, I mean, I always have like this ego and pride and I always think I'm better than everybody else at everything. Mm -hmm. It was a good way for me to prove that. Mm -hmm. And then so 
after the victory and that that kind of elation and that really unique experience what what happened going forward after that uh you know i just kept training and like just wanted that again was mm-hmm. just chasing it mm-hmm. started taking it more seriously mm-hmm. you know i think my coaches took me more seriously after that mm-hmm. yeah he really so because what what i'm trying to get at is you became a multi you were you multiple weight champion or you i think i don't know i was like no but you back then no but but when you were coming up it wasn't because fight whoever yeah no 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 because when you were coming up though yeah yeah what we're talking about is when you were one of the guys in the lower weight classes that everybody knew about that's what i'm saying you go from this kind of obscure Thing where you just walk into the gym, you don't get a fight, people don't think you're gonna you do want to fight, and then all of a sudden, yeah. you <laughs> continue to win, you yeah. get title belts, you fight some of the toughest guys in this area. Yeah, you know? just, just, just in the region. So, right? like, yeah. what started to happen? When did you start to take it more serious, and what was that like? Like, what was. And when you say take it more seriously, like, what do, you, what do you mean by that? Like, as in terms of, you know, because I guess just because most people just don't understand like what training is but what mm-hmm. did you mean when you said you took it more seriously and then when your trainers i guess took you more seriously yeah when, when was it like okay this is i'm investing a lot of energy into this and so then, i mean i'm just i'm an all or nothing kind of guy yeah like, no doubt. and i fell mm-hmm. in love with it so quick and i didn't have nothing else going on in my life you know mm-hmm. except mm-hmm. substance abuse and like mm-hmm. <laughs> being a punk kid Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was real easy for me to gravitate all my energy and time to this, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I did. And it was... I mean, I had always wanted something like that. I just didn't know what it was that I was looking for. And mm-hmm. then when I found it, it was it was on, you know? Mm-hmm. And as much time as I could spend there. And, you know, I think I started out with Vern trying to coach me. And then Eric took over and, you know... Mm-hmm. He was kind of like the fighters' coach or whatever, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, like it was. I was ready from day one. I was ready yeah, well. to go and put everything into it yeah. on day one. But I don't think I understood what that took. Right. And the more I did it, the more I loved it. And mm-hmm. Then I realized I was good at it, and that was dangerous too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so like, would you? Because this, I think, I feel like this is going to be an interesting podcast for a lot of reasons. Um, Because you're probably the first guest that I can like ask this question to you. You literally do have like a do or die mentality Um, and kind of I want to say like an at risk mentality. You know what I mean? Like you're for some people, it's just like this is a logical extension of the martial arts experiences. You know, we've talked to people like that where people played baseball or they were just athletes or they grew up doing martial arts. For you, I feel like it was the thrill and the adrenaline Mm-hmm. And just that, the way of that that drew you to it. Can you talk about kind of the costs though of that mentality? Like, what was what has that done? Having that do or die mentality. Like, how has that manifested in your life? How did it manifest in your fighting style? And then we asked deep questions, so could you like unpack that a little bit? Because I feel like there's a lot of people coming in behind you who think like that, or they got into the game like that. You know? Yeah, and I think the biggest issue looking back on it now is not having a coach or having like a team that really understood the game enough Mm -hmm. because back then you know it was just 
you spar super hard mm-hmm. and whoever does the best in the sparring fights and then mm-hmm. you know it was all on toughness and grit and nowadays we're starting to see a lot of you know cte and all this brain trauma that people are getting and it just training smart is very important mm-hmm. and i think that's the biggest thing that i would want to teach people and right. tell people about is just training smart mm-hmm. and uh because i was ready to die in the cage like i didn't care like mm-hmm. i didn't have anything to lose mm-hmm. and everything to gain so for me and i know there's a lot of fighters out there like that that just it's everything to them you mm-hmm. know and that's kind of the mentality you have to be to be the best in the world and to train at the highest level and like you have to make sacrifices but you also need to have people in your corner that are intelligent enough and know enough about the sport and brain trauma and everything else that you're not sparring with guys twice your size mm-hmm. and you know touch sparring and there's a lot of like technical stuff you can do and get good at without having to destroy your brain mm-hmm. and you right. know you watch a lot of these fighters get to the ufc and by the time they get to the ufc they've had immense amount of brain trauma yeah. that we it's you know not there's no data for it and there's no way to say like how hurt these guys really are but i mean i look at a guy like robbie lawler whose last couple of fights he didn't even spar before them yeah. you know yeah. he has one good training partner that he does positional stuff and like timing stuff with but they don't hit each other in the face and they're not trying right. to hurt each other in sparring because like what is he going to gain from that really you right. know and at the end of the day, I think everybody needs to approach it like that. Yeah, and and so there's that portion of the do or die. I actually have another follow-up question with that is you talked about like... I was trying to get me to say something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's what I do on this. I'm in a different mode here. No, just for honesty, because I think the more vulnerable we get on this podcast, the more it helps other athletes, for sure. Because fighting is just kind of an extension of our personal life. And you know what? You, we've seen on the big stage what happens when people have this do-or-die addictive kind of personality. Even when they acquire this fame, it comes out and it manifests. That personality manifests within the sport and has consequences. First example, John Jones. John Jones, his addiction, his inability to truly deal with that in an honest and rigorous way has cost him a lot. Conor McGregor, right? And I mean, we see what's happening with Connor now, and I think October he's going to be fighting Khabib. But Connor has the same type of mentality. So I'm just saying, what what's the importance of staying grounded, even as an amateur, just as a combat sports athlete? What is like for you? And like before you get the grounded, like you feel comfortable talking about how addiction has impacted you, right? <laughs> like in your life, um, and kind of the sport I feel like for you replaced that but how did that mean you don't have to share everything but do you can you speak to that kind of how that impacted you um (laughs) so man there's a like there's a lot of long-winded answers to those questions yeah for me I mean I definitely like I was selling drugs all I was doing was drugs when I was 18 19 and like that was my life and that was my thing so to replace it with MMA was such a beautiful like it saved my life bottom line it really did save my life and it gave me an outlet for all my energy and like which was there was a lot of energy that was wasted you know and uh I remember there was one time I was rolling with Alden Lee and he uh 
you know, we were rolling, and, like, this dude is nasty. Like, he was a national championship wrestler, like, NCAA champ, and, like, dude was jacked and just, like, scary. Like, and so I had a lot of respect for him, you know? And I was rolling with him, and at the end of the, you know, we were just chatting and talking, and we were, he smokes a lot of weed, and we were talking about drugs and whatever and he was like you know you don't have to be that person anymore you don't have to be ben the fucking drug addict or hothead you can be ben the fighter and it like there was like this profound moment where it like clicked in my head that i don't have to be that person anymore Mm -hmm. and so i mean that was very powerful for me and uh you know martial arts is a beautiful thing because it can be so uplifting and it gives you self-confidence and there wasn't a lot of that you know for me Mm -hmm. you know I was uh I was adopted and uh all this stuff goes back to that and uh at a certain point you know it gave me a purpose and then you know I eventually started coaching and like that was an amazing thing for me to be able to like give back and it really made me have to deal with understanding the techniques and like, because you really have to understand something if you're going to coach it to somebody else. Yeah. Like, if they start asking you questions, you better have answers, right? right? Otherwise, you look incompetent. But, I mean, for me, there was just... That addictive personality was so real, you know? And I was like, everything was just all or nothing, do or die, everything, all day. Like, I would, I would watch tape at night. I would watch tape when I woke up, and I would go to the gym at 12 o'clock, and I'd be there till like 8 or 9 p.m., you know? Eventually, they just gave me a job because I was there so much. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, you know, there has to be something beyond it and outside of that. And eventually, you don't win every fight, you know? Like, something happens, and I think my substance abuse definitely started to leak into my life. I got to a point where I thought I was good enough that I wasn't scared anymore to get loaded in the off season or when i was just training Mm -hmm. so you know i would smoke weed here and there i'd want to fight and i'd you know go on a little bender and it just got worse and worse to the point where i mean i was i was smoking dope going into amc fucking training with you guys and world champions and like you know and that was the first time i lost my fight you know lost a fight was uh I started fucking slipping and slipping and slipping and thought I was good enough and like I mean we did that grappling tournament and like the only person I lost to was you you know and I was like super loaded for that like it was bad like that was like you know I didn't even sleep and I was like up all night doing shit and uh and the dude I remember that dude Ben Ben Pine or something I grappled with and it was like we went to overtime and so it was the first takedown, the one. Yeah, the one, yeah. And I was like up all night doing Eminari rolls on my girlfriend at the time. <laughs> and she was like, can we just go to sleep? And I was like, let me, let me hit one more Eminari roll. Yeah. You know, 10 later, I'm still going. Yeah. And, you know, I hit the Eminari roll and I got the takedown. I do remember in that. Yeah. sudden death yeah. overtime against this guy was that was epic. legit. That was no, real good. No, the guy, the guy was good, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, that just fed my... My ego and my addict and my brain, and I was like, oh, I can compete at a high level doing this, so it's fine. And I'm better than everybody anyway, so it's fine, you know? And eventually you get humbled, and life 
I'm willing to bet comes like, in on you. Well, I'm willing to bet almost anything that that is the same way like John Jones and those guys think for sure because no, it's, it's it's that it's that adrenaline like or it's like you know that all all or nothing mindset the the wildness that yeah. makes them attracted to MMA in the first place. And what Ben yeah. just said though is like yeah. this: you start to get this, and I felt it too. Um, this idea of invincibility because you've yeah. done something so difficult mm-hmm. and then you've done it numerous times so then you're just like it can't go wrong mm-hmm. i can go ahead and dabble in this a little bit and i'll be fine I'll, i won't get caught i mean i'm so good i can just overcome this and then eventually you have to come face to face with reality mm-hmm. you know so um but you you explained i mean to dive a little deeper i, I really am just fascinated with like the kind of the mental battle that you had to go through between like showing up and, and being a part of training camps like for me you're like one of my main partners for a while there and I just in all honesty I just always felt like I was like I don't know when I'm gonna see this guy again it was like fucking touch and go there for a <laughs> while and that's why I put such an emphasis on trying to like keep tabs on you because I knew how bad it could got it could get because it got bad for me at certain points um but what was it like just having to fight that right because that's another fight addiction like you fight someone in the cage, you do that, that's a fight, but fighting addiction... It's fighting yourself. It's fighting yeah. yourself. What's that battle like? Or, dur- I mean, f- get during that time, like, when you were still competing versus now. Yeah, I mean, the biggest issue, too, is when you're young, is you think you're invincible. Mm-hmm. And, uh, really, experience is the best teacher for that, you know? <laughs> And sometimes that's what it takes. And, you know, I was real hard-headed, and I always had to learn things the hard way. You know, my coach had to kick me in the head ten times before I realized to get my hands up. And so, I mean, that was my biggest battle was with myself and just trying, like, even when I lost that fight, Tyson Lim kicked me in the face. And I, was, I was there in the corner, yeah. Like, I... Yeah. I don't even remember, I don't remember it happening. And I was like, I just remember winning the fight and I was winning the fight the whole time and he landed one kick, whatever, like for me. And, and that was what you saw like afterwards? Or? Yeah, and I was like, dude, I'll beat that guy nine out of 10 times. He got lucky one time, good for him, you know? And mm-hmm. you know, there is a lot of humility inside me too. So, you know, I have this ego like everybody else does, but at a certain point I know when I know it's real, and uh, nowadays, like I mean, it took a lot to really get me to a point to accept my addiction and to take the steps to actually, because I mean, forever, like, there was no way I thought I'd be clean, like, completely clean all the time, me neither, and I never even wanted that. You know? mm-hmm. I was like, I at least want to, like, smoke some weed here and there. Now it's legal, so it's like... <laughs> all these fighters are like oh, I do CBD oil all the time I'm like okay that's cool you know like I'm sure there's health benefits to certain things but for me it's different it's justification yeah. for I mean alcoholism is one of the worst things out there and it's so like socially acceptable yeah like even binge drinking is like socially acceptable and it's all like yeah I mean, all the fighters on the Ultimate Fighter are just, like, super drunk. Like, come at me, bro. Like, yeah. it's just, you know. So, at a certain point, you have to draw a line in your life. And for me, it was doing a bunch of jail time. So, so 
sometimes that's like I, I learned the hard way and that's what it took for me was to really open my eyes and be dope sick in jail to realize that I you know maybe need to try something else and like maybe need to change my life a little bit and mm-hmm. I don't know it's after going through that battle there's like fighting seems kind of silly to me these days well, like, in my personal life, for me, at least, I still have, like, a huge passion for MMA and, like, what it did for me and it helped change my life and, like, gave me an outlet and, like, I think it can do those positive things for so many people. No doubt. And I think for you, you, you sit and you occupy an interesting space within our sport in terms of, like, I feel like when a lot of people say MMA saved their life, it's a cliche, and we kind of just look over that, and you're just like, whatever, dude. It's not, it doesn't have the same significance when certain people say it, mm-hmm. but when you say it, it's like, looking at your life and having walked with you through all those changes and those really fucking hard moments where yeah. I'm looking at you through some glass, talking to you on the other side, and you yeah. don't even have this much weight on you, and it's just scary. Like, they literally, you know what I mean? If it kept that at bay longer... Or maybe even potential be- uh, death at bay. It's it's a significant and true statement. So I feel like um, I don't. I never know who's gonna see these like podcasts. But like, do you feel like MMA for like let's say a younger generation or like someone who struggled like you? Do you feel like MMA is a healthy outlet? And if so, are there like pros and cons to it being an outlet? For like your addiction or your poverty or your trauma and we, we've asked a lot of people on this like hindsight so like yeah i mean i wouldn't trade it for anything mm-hmm. like the experiences i had i wouldn't trade for anything mm-hmm. but i'm sure there's safer and better ways to occupy your time but there's something so pure about combat sports and like it's translatable to anybody mm-hmm. in any culture and any language. Mm-hmm. You can train with anybody, you know. And uh, you know, athletics is very important for just humans in general mm-hmm. to like occupy themselves when we're not, you know, because we don't hunt anymore. We don't, you know. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. So it's like something that's like a primal need for us mm-hmm. and you know I think forever people have competed in some way or another right so in that sense it's in our nature to do it and so when we find it it's it just makes sense to us and I think I think it can be super healthy and it was for me and it like saved my life like I said but there's I mean I think there's a correct way to do it, and there's a smart way to do anything. And for that's, sure. That's the biggest test for me these days is to try and like figure out what the right way is, and like where I can plant my seeds in the next generation of MMA fighters. And that flows perfectly to my next question. And well, Ender, how old are you? Fifteen. Let's say like a fifteen-year-old Ben Wada comes up to you you know what I mean or maybe let's just say 17 18 and he's had like a series of struggles and he or maybe even older and he's had a series of struggles with substance and he's still training he's having these successes 
but there's that part of his life that he hasn't shared with anybody and then you catch wind of it. This is super hypothetical, as you can tell. <laughs> you catch is wind of- Is there something you need to tell us? Yeah. <laughs> and there's a okay. But I'm saying a young person who wants, wants to get involved in the game has that side of their life where addiction's present or any type of just destructive activity is present. Like, what do you say to them? Sitting where you're sitting now with sobriety, going through what you've gone through, what do you say to that young person? I mean, like, there's nothing like experience, right? Mm -hmm. And to have gone through the same thing as certain people, mm -hmm. like, that's the best way to reach somebody, mm -hmm. is to actually have been where they went mm -hmm. and done the things that they did mm -hmm. and have that real understanding. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, in that respect, I would... You know, I would have to relate to them and mm -hmm. get to know them and mm -hmm. understand what exactly their struggles were to right. have a real conversation with them that could possibly change their lives. Yeah. I think I'm really good at that too because I'm very compassionate and I really care about people. That was the biggest thing that showed up for me when I was coaching. It was like, man, I really like people and I like helping people. And to see people gain that self-confidence, especially like women and people that didn't have that at all to see them like feel strong and like know that they could defend themselves like stuff like that is powerful and you know for me being a little guy it was powerful for me because i was a small <laughs> dude for us <laughs> like you know yeah. you got some big 200 pound guy messing with you to know that like i could probably handle this dude regardless mm -hmm. of how big he is like is empowering mm -hmm. And then to have the respect for it that like I would still wouldn't do anything. I would use my my brain and my speech to negate the whole situation altogether. Right. Is even more powerful. Right. You know? So I think those are all very important parts and answers to that question. Yeah, for but sure. But it's like it's really just about getting to know people and understanding what they've been through and Yeah. Learning how to help people. Yeah, well I guess on that, so like in you know in your battle with addiction you have to you know conquer yourself like with that and understand that you know you've done it yourself like what what did you understand and i guess in like what caused your addiction and overcoming it that would help like that you think would help attraction you? not promotion bro yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah i was just about to tell you that yeah you can talk about that yeah, yeah that you think would help like you know what what like what aided you in like in getting and getting over your, your addiction I mean, I was a knucklehead, dude. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think anybody could have told me anything that would have changed. You had to experience that. I had to, like, experience it. And that was the biggest issue, you know, is a lot of kids are just like me mm -hmm. and have to experience it. But sometimes they don't make it through to the other side. Yeah. And a lot of people don't make it through to the other side. A and that's ton of people don't make it. Mm -hmm. That's what's rough, right? You know, because it's really a life or death thing at the end of the day. Yeah. And it makes everything else seem kind of silly at a certain point. But hopefully, I mean, they say smarter people learn from other people's mistakes, right? So yeah. be smart or scared. Be whatever smart. works for Be you. smart or scared. Well, I mean, I, and I fear is a very good motivator, uh, no yeah, doubt. For sure. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's exactly what Ben just said is like, in my experience, it's been being around people who have this similar struggle. Because mm -hmm. what we both know to be a truth is that someone who hasn't had that struggle, they just have no idea why you could have one beer and then in a matter of hours have six more 
and then in a matter of days be fucked off and have your job lost, and then in a matter of days possibly being in jail. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a, a real reality for folks that struggle with addiction on a real sort of, like, mm -hmm. deep chemical imbalance level, and there's all sorts of ideas behind that, but um, it is about community, and, and I think if someone gets in a good MMA gym, they're able to get a strong sense of community, and then hopefully with more and more practice and just because I feel like if someone shows up and they want to engage in martial arts and they have a self-esteem issue the drugs have this weird sort of promise this chemical reward they give your brain so you don't have to face reality you don't have to sit with your fucking self-esteem or your trauma but and your troubled thoughts and your troubled <laughs> thoughts but yeah. through fucking MMA I experienced the whole jump in self-esteem um so I think there's a fine balance there. I'd add another question though, just back to kind of like John Jones. Um, when you look at like his situation, what are like your thoughts in regards to that? Having walked through addiction and having to walk through it every day. Like when you look at John Jones, this is a deep ass question, but do you look at someone who's remorseful? And this is a judgment. And I, I know you, in on some ways you're compassionate to this situation, but do you look at someone who's like in an amends process or someone who's, just kind of gonna keep doing what they're doing, or I know it's a hard ass question. I mean, that's a hard question to answer because it's really only John Jones knows yeah. how truthful and how sincere his amends process is going to be, mm -hmm. and like if he really is sorry for whatever happens. Mm -hmm. But I mean, at the end of the day, he's he's still a phenomenal athlete and mm -hmm. I think he still has a lot of time to grow and mm -hmm. I always give people the benefit of the doubt for so sure in my mind I think he's learned a lot through these processes and uh, hopefully he'll come back stronger and mm -hmm. won't have to make those mistakes again and mm -hmm. will help the next generation and the next generation understand what these struggles were when someone like that can have those struggles it's like anybody can have those struggles right. right and everybody knows somebody nowadays that has some kind of struggle in one form or another do you feel like like i know the demi lovato thing's big right now too but do you feel like john jones demi lovato people in that situation get less sympathy because of their celebrity oh absolutely of yeah course. right <laughs> yeah why not right yeah yeah i mean everybody's real quick to point a finger so i mean it's all about knowing that any of that can happen to anybody at any point, you mm -hmm. know? And to have that kind of sympathy and understanding is very powerful. But I don't think a lot of people have gone through right. a lot of those struggles, so they don't. Right. Know? And it's real easy to look at somebody and be like, oh, they're wrong. What they did was incorrect. But it's like, would you have not made those same mistakes if you were that person in their shoes? In their so, brain, right? In their brain. In their brain. Yeah. And I and I feel like it, it just shows that it doesn't discriminate at all. It doesn't care about your class status, it doesn't care about your talent. Yeah, how famous or how rich you are. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't care. Yeah. And your talent, I think in a lot of ways, like with John Jones, I think because I think about him a lot, not from like a honestly, not from a fucking judgmental standpoint. I look at it and I get it. I get the the ego, right? Because he's in a sport that rewards his ego, and he yeah. is that good. But he's also in a sport that it's easier for him to hide. Yeah, it's easier for him to not have to face the actions of his behavior, other than a suspension for like the PEDs and things like that. But 
because of the talent and all the money he can make, it's it's a I feel like a longer road. It may be a longer road for him um, in terms of that. And and that's they don't ever talk about that. Like, damn, maybe he's got some substance issues. <laughs> they don't talk about that. They're just like it's like nobody wants to talk about. It. Yeah, they're like <laughs> next in MMA news, John Jones is gonna come back and get Cormier. It's like oh. John uh, got busted for some cocaine, and he ran into a pregnant woman yeah. not too long ago. So isn't that? You well, know? yeah, you know, you, but I think you bring up a good point where, yeah, he can hide in that in terms of sports because mm-hmm. his town is so immense that the people there they don't care about the substance abuse; they just care about using him really for his for his town so that it pays them money. So yeah. like, like, what's they'll. You know, almost cover up that he has problems, so that a doesn't matter. John come back in, and then, the, without really even solving the situation, I think it's the same thing. Like with, you know, in the NFL, there's like a lot of there's a lot of domestic violence and a lot Ooh, of like yeah. you know, there's a lot of people with problems that you know gets washed over because hey, this guy's a good athlete, and we can keep making money off of them. Like it's that it's that same thing. I think uh, the the way that's the way I see it. I think because you know. That's, I think that's why John Jones gets all, because you know as much trouble as he gets, he does get aided a lot. But you know, why? Where is the aid coming from? I I really don't think it's from a, an altruistic place. I think it's the fact that they know that he's a championship level quality fighter, and they know they're gonna get a lot of money out of him. That's well, how I look at it. Well, it's like you and I think about this too in terms of like, and you bring up a really brilliant point. That's dark, man. What you say? That's dark. Yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard. Well, it's hard to think about too because if you even think about his road to recovery, it also can be marketable. No, 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 no. The, the road to recovery. It's it's the greatest fucking story that's ever told, and they're doing it with Connor right now. Connor was probably on a coke bender, yeah. lost his goddamn mind, fucking destroyed property, yeah. malicious mischief, got no fucking charges, just community service, and yeah. guess what? It's the redemption story it's, of the year. And no. it's fucking profitable. Dude, you, no, October. Yeah, be, yeah, yeah, October. Yeah, I'm just October, saying. October. No, but you. Oh, you bring, got a code problem, Connor? It don't matter. We're about to get this. No, because no, they, they did the same thing. They did the same thing. Uh, they did the same thing last year mm-hmm. when when John when John Jones fought Cormier for the second time. That's all they did in the promos. They go redemption, blah blah blah. You know, from there. Yeah. And then think about and then as you just pointed out, I mean, just what a couple days ago, they showed what they deemed. What, what what was like what what was assault you know a guy uh, a guy throwing you know trying to hurt people by like by exactly. yeah by throwing like uh, throwing items at a bus that actually damaged people from the and they use that for the promotion because they know it's gonna sell I mean that's the thing they I mean at the time they called it the most disgusting thing blah 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 whatever and then, but then and, but now they're using it for promo footage like oh boy what a f- fancy that and then you know. Connor goes to court, blah blah blah. But did, were we at, were we at even surprised? No, he, and did we think there was going to be actually? Oh no, I he's going to pay restitution. But for him, that's not shit. He's like, I don't want to have to pay yeah. this fucking money, Dana. And Dana's <laughs> like, we're going to fight Khabib, so it's literally going to be pennies to you. Oh okay. So it it, it really in a, a, a weird sort of way, it's like I don't expect through no fault of their own. I don't expect guys in that like in that position to have a genuine change. It's just there's not time. You don't have well, fucking well, time until I, shit I, just gets really bad. I, I feel there's no time. There's also no incentive, you know. Right. Because if anything, they that's what that's what's marketable. You mm-hmm. know, it's what's it's marketable to show, or they're they're using their, you know, 
for for marketing you know their imbalances or their i guess wild side and that's and that because that's what people want to want to see you know i mean as much as we you know laugh at you know the antics and all all that of of, of mcgregor i guess not even laugh but also like you know it's very it's very engrossing that that, that's Mm -hmm. what people you know are tuned into the drama right you know just like what or what i was talking about ultimate fighter you know, they fill those guys up with alcohol yeah. because they know it's going to cause drama. It's yeah. like any reality TV show. They're like, right. oh no, I guess we'll just leave all this liquor here. Like, nothing happens. Just pick these yeah. kids out because yeah. they know they're going to clash. Exactly. Know? It's like, they're like, damn, you have deep rooted childhood issues. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have to do great with this guy who's yeah. an authoritarian personality. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're going to put liquor in the middle and yeah. ratings are going to go like yeah. that. No, exactly. That's what it is. It's conflict, it's drama. It's like, it's it's really just a psychology it's it's not an experiment it's just, it's like it's uh it's a psychology test meant to go wrong that's right. what it is yeah. yeah period and that's that's why it's like and now our conversation is going in a totally different direction but it's almost like your addiction i feel like if if you're an addicted person like you are just deeply enmeshed in in the lifestyle of addiction right like and you have no resources. You're subject to different forces than the celebrity, right? Yes. The police interact with you in a different way. The prison system will come and snatch you. Yeah. Um, people are more likely to just be like, well, obviously you have no money, so we'll evict you. You'll be on the fucking street corner. Exactly. It's a lot, it's a lot easier. No, it's, it's a lot quick. You hit your bottom a lot quicker. And if you stay yeah. there, it, I think it just shows the depth of your illness, right? Yes. And we all have choices even amidst yeah. like our suffering. But that's why I worry about these guys like John and Connor, and, and in a lot of ways, I think that the UFC and the way they reward people and they reward that behavior, it's almost like they are lining up these guys' road to destruction. No, it, just pure, it's complete it, self destruction. No, exactly. And it's that's, but, what I, that's how I feel. No, but it's the thing, it's and it's not like even um, it's not in a sinister sense, it's because they don't care, they don't care about them getting better because them getting better doesn't really relate to them getting money, you right? Know? So, what, what, what I mean, I guess them getting better enough. So right. that they fight for them, because that's that, that's what's important. It's important that Conor McGregor is like not in jail and can fight Habib. It's important that John Jones eventually gets unsuspended and then can fight again. Like from there, that that's what's important because that's what makes that's what makes the promotion money, right? It yeah. doesn't make promotion money if like Conor McGregor becomes sober and a good person. No, that's, that's not profitable. It doesn't. And what happens? It's messy yeah. too. Yeah, it's messy, and so people won't ask the questions about addiction or about. Um, addiction when it's like blended with wealth and the kind of they'll just sit back and go shit this is some fucking drama it's just like Ultimate Fighter it's yeah. just like I Love New York it's just yeah. like the Kardashians yeah. all this shit and so you just watch and consume and consume it without yeah. and then the person's so distant from you because they're a personality themselves. no because yeah. it's like it's like a celebrity so the, yeah but that's the thing but because they've reached that set, and it's like what Ben said like it's because you're from an upper status it's even easier to tear you down yeah. from there but it's it's it, if anything they're in a worse spot to hit that to get that recovery because there is no incentive for them to get it because the forces around them that propelled them up there aren't going to help them get better well it's like the fucking story about john jones hiding from usada yeah like underneath the ring like have you heard that story yeah so apparently usada came into like jackson (laughs) wink and then yeah and then so oh is john here and then john was there but he didn't want to get tested so he hid him like underneath the cage (laughs) for like hours apparently like it was so long he went to the bathroom underneath there he pissed under there yeah 
means wow. I think if he had shorts on, it means he pulled his pants down, pulled his dick out. Yeah. He had to be laying horizontal and he's just yeah. peeing. Probably yeah. peeing in his own face. Peeing. <laughs> no, 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 but no, but no. Uh, yeah. Exactly. No, definitely but, didn't hear this. No, yeah. No, no, no. That's yeah. a. I don't yeah. want to hear that story either. Like, I still like John Jones and I yeah. still want to like John Jones. So. Right. But we can, it's just like this. We can love him. We can love John, but look at the behavior, bro. It's and the same, it's yeah, the same the thing in yeah. your mind where you would still coach that guy after he ran into a pregnant woman mm-hmm. and then fled the fucking scene. Yeah. And then they're searching his car and he comes back his and the cop was like, yeah. bro, I think this is John Jones' car. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you say that? Oh, his license is right so here. here we laugh about yeah. <laughs> So here we laugh about it, but in all actuality, yeah. from a human perspective, it's fucking sad. Yeah. And it's scary. And it, it's scary that it's like, okay, he'll be gone. No, he fought after that. And he what did, did they do? They just threw it in the story. Yeah. In the, in the little fucking trailer. How will John Jones come back? And then other than the same thing, and then the, how will John Jones come back from the, and then. Because, uh, dude, that's, I'll tell you right now, that's what, as an addict, that's what we do. Point blank period when we're not well. We I get can't. opportunity after opportunity and we fucking blow it. Mm-hmm. Because we're sick. Over and over. And that's why with John, I just like, I feel for him because I don't, and I hope just like Ben does that, he can, he has some people in his corner, maybe who are like taking him to the rooms where he can get recovery or like sitting down with him. And he's actually around other people who aren't blowing up his ego, but he can go not, sit, yeah, he not, can go not, sit not, in these not, rooms. Not, with, yes, yes, man. Yeah, I know. That no, he, yeah. but he can just sit down in a room with somebody who's probably poor as shit, but is fighting the same issue as he's fighting. Yeah. Because that's the thing that I hope will save him is he'll just be like fuck like okay, this is real. Or understand like oh hey if you take away like what I have like that that could have been me. Because they said yeah. he fought UFC fights high on coke. Yeah. Or he, would or just he spend, didn't yeah, Chuck Liddell fight like all his fights high. On coke? <laughs> I mean I don't know if that's confirmed, <laughs> but I have heard that. Allegedly, when he fought Rashad, he definitely like he was on something. Blah, blah. Or, you know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, or have you seen that interview of like? But can we still appreciate what he did? Oh no, no. Well, it's just like that dude who yeah. pitched a no hitter on acid. Yeah, on a- yeah, in the seventies. When the acid tabs yeah. went, it was fucking late. Yeah, yeah. yeah there, there was this pitcher in the seventies who was like high on acid and pitched a no hitter. He was a bad man yeah. too. He was a rebel. Yeah, it's funny like hearing as a. Um, hearing his story about it, he goes like, "Yeah, I didn't know I was on the starting lineup, but then coach said, "Yeah, man, you're up." I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> there was a, um, yeah. there, crazy. I wish we had like, we're gonna update our shit so we can probably one day we'll have like computer screen here and we'll be able to show you video clips because the, the one thing I did want to talk to you about is like um, I saw on Vice there was this um, martial arts gym that's designed to help soldiers with PTSD. And, um, I think I heard about that. Was that I, I think Kat Zingano or something was talking about that. Yeah. yeah, and so what they do is they have these soldiers go and train with each other, and it's it's kind of like this specialized thing. Um, and if, what happens in these guys' lives is that like some of them go in there after combat, and they're on like six or seven antidepressants, anxiety, and you know, for me, mental health and hasn't is no no strangers to those battles. I think all of us have them, but some have them with more frequent regularity for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to see when these guys go into this gym, they, they are talking about their issues and then they're training. And slowly but surely what happens is like the amount of medication they're taking is lowered. Their uh, weeks go by without incident. There's not a relapse in their sy- symptoms. So I was going to say mm-hmm. or ask you like, what do you think 
how has martial arts helped your mental health and your overall wellness when you do participate? Like, can you talk about some of the benefits? Uh, I mean, because we talk about self-esteem, right? Yeah, which is a huge part of mm -hmm. it, and confidence is a huge part of it. But I mean, any kind of exercise is good for your mental health. You know, mm -hmm. it releases all kinds of endorphins and like. Health exercise and eating healthy is probably the most important thing for mm -hmm. your mental health, realistically. No doubt. Like, you can say whatever you want about... I mean, they're just throwing drugs at people left and right. But realistically, I can tell you for my mental health, the best thing that helped me is not do drugs. <laughs> yeah, that kid's <laughs> Not do drugs. Don't, Don't do, do drugs. drugs. Think the drugs yeah. are helping, but they're really just making it worse. Yeah. Um, so, key one, don't do drugs. Key two, eat healthy and exercise, whatever mm -hmm. that is. And I think the amount of exercise that you get doing martial arts is like exacerbated, right? It's like, like nothing else, dude. Yeah. I mean, you can do a lot of working out, but then when you go to an MMA gym, it's a whole different animal, right? Yeah. You're doing a bunch of different cardio and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's very powerful in so yeah. many different ways. But I guess that's an interesting thing, though, that you bring up about, you know, mental health and spirit. Yeah, about mental health and how people try to solve it. You know, I think it's just almost that. I mean, I know Scott would, would say this about in terms of like it's almost like that American ideal or that capitalistic ideal of fixing something with like a magic pill. You, you, you know what I mean? Because it's a very <laughs> it's, it's so sure. fucking brutal. No, no, it is because that's the thing. Because that's what's profitable. You know, that's what that's what how pharmaceutical companies make their profits, mm -hmm. right? Because, like, they don't make any money if people just ate right and exercise. <laughs> Xanax. That's, that's how you get it. <laughs> no, it's true. It's like, cause think about it. That's not, it's, it's, you can't sell that. You can't sell, hell, like, eat healthy exercise. I mean, you can, but it's like, well, people do, but it's not, but not, not to the same it's extent like, uh, as, a, as a magic pill. Because people love, people love magic pills and snake oil, man. That's what, that's what works. Like, that's how people get. You go to Asia, though, stuff. they're just doing Tai Chi and eating exactly. rice, you know? Yeah, no, 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 we had our famous episode. Yeah, maybe some opium. Yeah, maybe some opium. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's how they played soccer, right? They right. just, like, kicked us. But, Pocholi, you're right, and, like, I... I know this for sure. Maybe we can go around because I think it's important for this to be on this podcast is when I am because I have my challenges for sure. And I've mm -hmm. talked about them on the podcast with Morgan and I, I know I've embraced them. I've embraced them as a part of like just the brain I was born with mm -hmm. and things I did to my brain. I mean, I get better and I see improvements, but I do know when I am working out and I'm especially like at AMC, for example, because AMC hits it on two levels for me. First is just the intensity of the workout. Mm -hmm. I need that to sustain my attention and my emotional awareness to get through my fucking days. So when I have like three or four days of training at AMC, like I feel great. Mm -hmm. I feel more in control of my emotions. I feel more aware of my emotions. And also that's in conjunction with just my, my recovery in terms of not drinking. Like I go to meetings, I do that. I'm not afraid to fucking share that because that's how I stay strong. So that's the first thing is the workout. The second thing is the community. Mm -hmm. the community of other fighters and people who are passionate about something and who have a goal and who like and I give kudos to Pocholo because I was going through a lot of shit before you reached back out to me and was like hey come hit some pads mm -hmm. I was just putting stupid shit in my body I was drinking on and off I was smoking I was doing all this just shit that I look at now and I'm like dude what the fuck are you doing <laughs> you have this gift and you can be of service to others but you're just destroying <laughs> yourself and you were just like dude come hit some pads and I was like 
literally, the hours leading up to it, I was just smoking a black and mild. I was like, this is going to be a shit show. This dude wants me to go eat pads. And I show up. I hit pad these pads just wheezing. But next thing you know, more people start coming over here. You brought Irvin over here. And then Vince showed up. And I'm like, that, that's it. Why did I fucking leave this? Because that shit is essential to my survival. We're hitting pads after this, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm down. It's like this yeah. is essential to my my survival. So it's the it's the rigorous workout that I don't think you can get any. Like that kid, <laughs> <laughs> dude. Ender's Ender's getting full on. <laughs> Not yet. Dude, dude, dude you do drugs? This I is a drug studio, your brain. Yeah. I have yeah. six belts at home. I'm bring them all. You can have all of them. Ender just drops with the right hand and gets all of them. <laughs> Walks in. <laughs> and, then, and then I'm like, all right, Ender, you knocked out my homie. Now it's my turn. <laughs> I thought the ugliest fucking uppercut just sleeps me. He has my belts now. And you're Cleopi. He walks ten in AMC with like ten, ten belts. Yeah. So it's it's those two things. And um, it was, dude, it was hard to get back into training having been a fighter for sure. And I don't want to go on a fucking rant about that, but I've now settled into what my role can be and what's healthy for me. And it's just. I, don't, I literally don't know, because going to the gym right now for me is a part of me fighting for my fucking life, dude. Like, just hell. It, it's, it's like, and that sounds, that's, go. that really sucks. mental stability. To but I just need the stability, so. Yeah. yeah, man. It's real. It's real in the field. No, it's true. I think, I think that, uh, that, that community that's willing to, that's willing to help you is important because, it's hard to do it by yourself. If if anything, just like the more the, the more isolated you feel, the more healthy you feel. About it. And I was isolating like a motherfucker too, bro. I was just like, I didn't even want to go into AMC. I just had created all this stuff in my head that wasn't true. Yeah. I was yeah. like, no one remembers me there. I wasn't <laughs> shit. No, I'm just telling you how dark it got. I'm not shit. <laughs> I was never good at this shit. I probably got brain damage, so fuck it's it. Not McDonald's. No, I know, but what? It's the lie. It's the it's the mental obsession. The lie's dead. I'm just, yeah. and then to come back and realize that this this is useful. This is powerful for people. This is powerful for me. This is spiritual. Um, I don't need to go as hard as I used to, and to accept that I have no, no longer am I fighting. And I, I feel so comfortable saying that now. Like, I was sparring on Tuesday. Just literally just get my heart rate up. And Tony's like, Scott, you getting back in? You going to fight again? I was like, no. <laughs> I will never <laughs> fight again. He's like, well, it's just I said, I just look at the game different now, man. And I've had time to think. And that won't that won't leave me, bro. So because of that, he's like, you just got educated. And I was like, yeah. I <laughs> and not that people who fight aren't. But it's just like, I don't. I don't want to compete anymore, and so that's that's also framed too. Because now I can the people that want to fight, let's try to make sure you don't get your fucking noggin rocked. Mm -hmm. Let's try to make you better, mm -hmm. you know, and just create some memorable moments in the um, in the intern. But anyway, right over. <laughs> yeah, man. So we're gonna hit pads, right? <laughs> did you have any, the rest of the podcast. Did you, have, did you have anything you wanted to end on or summarize? Or? Yeah. This has been a good podcast, man. We should hit pads on the podcast. Hey, I can play it See, kids, the pad, the pad is ditching. Your fist is your resolution in community. Resolution. Drugs. It's not funny. It's real. No matter what Joe Rogan tells you about DMT and shit. Okay.
Well, thanks, bro. Yeah, thank you, Ben. Thanks for preaching that truth, man. That's what I do. Appreciate it. You gonna close it off, man? Yeah, we'll close it off. Well, thank you for joining us here at Pancreation Philosophy. Uh, if you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com. That's W. If you want, because apparently no one wants to. It's okay. We know who you are. <laughs> Get into the dates. We're gonna treat. We're gonna treat you like how resolution treats you. Oh God. Resolution. Community. <laughs> go. It yeah. works. It, it really works. does. Oh, you don't want to subscribe. No, the most forceful positivity I've ever yeah. seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not. We can get a sponsor. Not we got money Ender, Ender does this for free out of the kindness of his heart and soul. We need to pay this man because God knows I don't have money. <laughs> Goddamn Russia, dude. Jesus Christ, guys. You know. Ooh. But yeah. Like, share, <laughs> subscribe to us on YouTube. Yeah, you fuck the UFC judges. Yeah. Fuck oh em. god, you're so mad. Yeah, oh, I am mad. We should all be mad. You're bro. great. Yeah. Fair, so balanced, incredibly okay. competent. They yeah. need to be brought up on fucking robbery charges, bro. Because they participated in a robbery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. It's gonna be an asterisk next to that. Oh all god. Right. All right, I don't know. See you guys. Yeah.